0: This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources, or info, check out our website, www.anchorchurch.com.au. Well, hey Anchor Church, and welcome to Church Online. I don't know about you, but this is, um, this is kind of different, right? You guys are sitting in your living room, or your bedroom, or maybe on the kitchen floor, I don't know, wherever you are in your house. And, uh, and actually right now, I'm in Brad's bedroom studio. It's kind of sad, really. I mean, I love Sundays. I love gathering together. I love worshiping Jesus with our church family. And it's sad not to be able to do that. But it's also a blessing that we have uh, technology to do church online and incredible team to be able to pull this off. Um, I'm super proud of our church family of our staff team who have hustled big time this week to get church online ready for the guys whom you can't see, but I can see behind the scenes here who are pulling this together. Um, It's incredible actually when you think about what is possible when we get creative, when we put our minds together, when we work together, what we can actually pull off. And I don't know about you, but I'm actually like really expectant about what God is going to do in this time through church online. If you think about it for a second, um, this weekend, not only in Australia, but churches across the world are all streaming their services online, on social media, on YouTube, on their church websites. And in this moment in history, we're experiencing an unprecedented amount of good news, of gospel, of the word of God getting outside of the four walls of church buildings. I think back to um, George Whitfield, when he first took the good news outside of a church building and was criticized for it. we have this moment in history where preachers are preaching the good news on websites and platforms and social media in an unprecedented way. and I can't help but think that God's going to do something with that. and if we believe what we believe about God's word, about the gospel then we have to believe that there are people who are going to encounter this and encounter Jesus and have their lives radically transformed. So I'm I'm really excited about the reach that we have. I'm also really excited about how deep we're going to go in this season. You know, this is a unique opportunity as a church that we have to own our faith in a really new way. Um, You know, at Anchor we've always said, church is not an event to attend, but a family to belong to. It's not just about Sundays. And I think we've positioned ourselves with really strong small groups, with a really strong onus on you guys to own your faith. And so I'm really excited to see how that plays out. I mean, I think um, our Hebrews reading plan and the small group material we've got out, just seeing all of our gospel communities on Zoom and Google Hangout and all the platforms this week, has been super encouraging, and seeing our gospel community leaders step up in a really significant way. I'm expectant to see what God does in families, perhaps families who for the very first time are going to be doing family discipleship, praying together, using the kids' resources that El Naldo has been putting online for you guys. I'm also expectant to see what God does through the church, uh, not only as the message is declared, but also demonstrated in our lives the posture that we have as we sit, perhaps differently, to our culture, to the chaos and the anxiety and the craziness that is around us. So, Look, I, I'm really expectant. I'm excited. Perhaps it's a bit abnormal. I love change. I think I thrive on crisis. Uh, and the adrenaline has been pumping this week. But I also recognise that this is a, a moment where people are uncertain. We're uncertain about the future. Look, we're uncertain about what's going to happen in two days' time. And that uncertainty can create a sense of anxiety, create a sense of, um, of loss of control. And I say sense because the reality is we're probably not as in control of our lives as we realize. And all it takes is a crisis like that to point that out. And so I believe that this message from Hebrews 4 that I have for you guys today is going to encourage you and strengthen you. That's my prayer this week as I've been preparing this message. And so I'd love to pray for us now as we dive into God's word, that message that hope read for us in Hebrews chapter four. So let let me pray for you guys. And at home, I'd love you to join along. Father God, I thank you that you are real. I thank you that you are present with us wherever people are gathering this morning, that you are present in every living room, in every bedroom. I thank you, God, that when we pray, you hear. I thank you that you are the God who bends your ear towards the prayers of your people. What a privilege it is, God. We come this morning with confidence to your throne of grace. God, I pray that you would speak to us by your word. We're expectant. Please strengthen. Please encourage. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You know, this week I've been chatting to our kids about coronavirus at school. What has the school been saying? And man, can I just say, our school teachers are doing such an incredible job. If you are in the room with a school teacher, can you just give them a high five right now? Or even someone who's on the front line in our medical team, doctors, nurses, Uh, ERED workers, let's just give them a high five. I know they can't hear it, but can we just give them a round of applause? They're working so hard. And now our kids have come home with no sense of fear, no anxiety, their teachers are doing such an incredible job. In fact, Judah said to me that they've been playing a new game at school this week. It's called Coronavirus. And someone is in, they've got the virus, and they run around and try and tip people. And if you get tipped, you're out. You have to sit on the sideline, you're on the bench, you're out of the game. And I was like, man, that is a pretty apt description. I was wondering, should there be a doctor in the game? Like surely these guys need help. There needs to be a doctor. They need to inject a doctor into the game and not just have to wait till next round. I was also watching uh, the news this week. Obviously our feeds have been littered with stories about coronavirus, but there've been little glimmers of hope. I I was watching an interviewer do a report on some of the drought breaking rain that has been hitting our state. And, and this reporter was interviewing a family whose property at the moment just looks green and lush and the dams are being filled up. And it was such a good news story, a story that we need in this time. And as the reporter got to the end of her interview, she asked this couple, she said, Australia is about to hit a season of uncertainty. You guys have walked through this. What advice would you give? And the the wife of this couple, she said to the reporter, you know what, I don't know if people are religious or not, but for me, the thing that I've found most helpful is the serenity prayer. I don't know if you're familiar with the serenity prayer, Alcoholics Anonymous have made it very famous, but the serenity prayer goes like this, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I think that prayer has been profoundly helpful. It was actually penned in, we think about the 1930s, by a Christian pastor by the name of Reinhold Niebauer. And uh, throughout World War II, many people would write that prayer, the Serenity Prayer on postcards, and send it to servicemen who are on the front line of battle. It's been a prayer that has been helpful for addicts who are seeking to find help and change in the midst of their addiction. And I can't help but think at a time like this, it's so natural for us to turn to prayer. Whatever your faith background is, be it agnostic, atheist, um, apathetic, or even someone who loves Jesus, it's times like this that we turn to prayer. We need a ballast for our souls to get through this storm of life that we find ourselves in. And I think this passage that we have seen here in Hebrews 4 is a beautiful invitation for us to pray. But as we look at this book of Hebrews, what we find our author doing here is talking about a way of worship that was very familiar to his first readers, but perhaps is quite foreign to us. Concepts like a high priest or a temple or a sacrifice, things that um, maybe we relegate to, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark or some movie or some archaic you know, ancient history classroom. But this was the world that our first listeners were in. All of the way of worship that they were embedded in and immersed in was centered around what was known as the temple or the tabernacle. And there were priests that ministered on behalf of the people. And there was a particular priest called the high priest. And the high priest had the privilege once a year to enter into the very center of the temple to a place what was called the Holy of Holies. And at the center of the, the Holy of Holies was what was known as the mercy seat, where God's very presence was said to dwell. All of that is in the background of this message that we read in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews does a contrast for us, a contrast of things that are old and things that are new. Contrasts the Old Testament, the Old Covenant high priest with our New Covenant great High Priest, Jesus. And the author's intention is to show his readers that Jesus is better. Don't go back. Don't default back to the worship, the way of worship that you once knew. Continue to cling to Jesus. The author writes to them in the midst of trial, in the midst of season and uncertainty, a circumstance that pressured them to go back and to let go of Jesus. And so let me remind you this morning, as we walk through our own season of trial, of difficulty, of weakness, of some truths this morning, of something that is certain, I want to remind you, if you worship Jesus this morning, then these truths, these blessings are yours. And the first truth I want to remind you of this morning is that you have a sympathetic high priest, a sympathetic advocate who ministers at a heavenly tabernacle have a look at what the writer says in verse 15 for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin you know that person um, that friend who bless them is trying to be really helpful and connect with you but You tell them some sad news, perhaps, you know, like a family member has passed away and their response is, oh, I'm so sorry. I know exactly how you feel. You know, I had a goldfish who died in year eight and it was just so heartbreaking. And I mean, literally, they do not know at all how you feel. And I think um, sometimes it's so helpful to know that there is a person out there who gets it. And Jesus gets it. He is able to sympathize with us because He stepped off the throne of heaven and into the mess of this world. Back in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, the author tells us that Jesus is made like us in every respect, in order that He can serve us and ultimately that He can save us. It's the incredible mystery and wonder of the Incarnation that the god of the universe would clothe himself with human flesh would take upon himself our nature jesus steps into your shoes and what that means is that we worship a god who knows what it's like he knows what it's like he's experienced every temptation and every trial and every weakness now i think one of the criticisms of Christianity at the moment is that it's out of touch with reality. And nothing could be further from the truth when it comes to Jesus. He gets into our world. He gets into our frame of reference. And he's compassionate. He's sympathetic. He gets it. And so if you find yourself in this moment feeling anxious or fearful or worried about the future uncertain, then you need to know that Jesus understands. You know, sometimes um, all the difference it makes in our life is to know that we have someone there who gets it, who understands us, and you have a God who knows what it's like to walk in your shoes. But you're only thinking, "Well, hang on a sec. I mean, Jesus is God, right? How can He get it if He never sinned?" Well, perhaps the question for us is, who knows temptation? Who knows trial better? The person who caves in the moment uh, temptation turns up, or the one who over and over and over again has said no, has said no, who said no. See, it's actually the person who has resisted temptation over and over again, who is more familiar with it. And Jesus did it even to the point of resisting sin. He never caved. He never buckled. And so He's in this unique situation to be able to sympathize with us, empathize with us, but also help us. Because he's done it, Jesus gets it. He knows what it feels like. Not it's not saying that he's had the exact same experiences you have. Like he's got coronavirus and he's lost his job. Right? None of those things, but he has experienced the full range of emotions that come with testing and trial and weakness and a propensity to turn in and of us in in on ourselves and the desire to act selfishly, he knows what it's like. Jesus was tempted by the enemy in the desert. You remember that moment where the devil turns up and he begins to tempt Jesus. He says to them, If you are the Son of God, then throw yourself off this mountain and and angels will rescue. The, The temptation is to question his identity. Am I truly God's beloved? Or he, he takes Jesus to the top of a mountain and says, look at this kingdom. All of this could be yours if you would just bow down and worship me. The temptation there is to take a shortcut, to, to skip past Gethsemane, to skip past Golgotha and claim the promise that his father gave him, that everything would be under his feet, but to take a shortcut and minimize the pain and get out of that. Jesus was tempted. He knows what it's like to be you now isn't that a comfort in this season of uncertainty of of fear of anxiety to know that jesus is sympathetic towards us that he gets what it's like to feel worry and uncertainty that's the first blessing that is yours if you love and worship jesus you have a sympathetic advocate who is ministering at the father's right hand the second blessing is you have access to God. Have a look at what it says there in verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Have you ever wondered why when Jesus died, the Bible tells us that the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. The reason that happened is because the partition between us and God was destroyed. The gap that was created because of our rejection from God. The relational distance that was there has been completely destroyed. Jesus is our great high priest who has offered the once for all sacrifice for sins, and he has opened the way for us to access God, to come into his presence. It's, It's the reversal of what happened in Genesis chapter three when Adam and Eve were cast out of God's presence. Jesus allows us to come back in and at verse there says that we can come with confidence we come with holy swagger with boldness we can draw near to the presence of god now i don't know if you realize but this is a staggering invitation you know for us who live this side of jesus this side of the cross i think we can we can forget how good this is we're, we're too distant from The contrast between old and new covenant to be completely blown away we've we've enjoyed the blessing of the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives for far too long but this this is a staggering invitation that God would invite us to come into his presence to to be near him think of that promise from James where he says draw near to God and God will draw near to you, that we can experience relational closeness to God in a way that a first century Jew or an Old Testament Jew would have been mind blown if we told them the access that we have to God's presence. You know, if we think back to the Old Testament way of worship, the high priest would have entered into the Holy of Holies one day a year on the day of yom kippur the day of atonement and as he entered into the holy of holies he would have come sprinkling blood and waving a smoke screen because he stepped into the presence of a holy and perfect god who we know is a consuming fire and so he comes with fear and trepidation as to the holiness of god because he himself is a sinner and yet he stands in the gap He stands in the gap between God and us, and He brings God to the people and the people to God. And Jesus does that in a profoundly infinitely better way than the high priest in the old covenant. You see, He comes and He doesn't stand in the gap, He breaches the gap, He tears the curtain down, and we are invited in to the presence of God. This is an invitation to intimacy, to enjoy God, to be with him. You know, a number of years ago, I traveled to the US uh, with a a friend of mine and he flew us business class. Incredible. Probably the first and last time I will ever fly business class. And we turned up to the airport early. And because I was traveling with this guy, we had access to the Virgin first class lounge. It was incredible. Free food, nice chairs, Uh, Champagne on arrival, an amazing opportunity that I have no access to on my own. I mean, look, I think I'm still at like platinum or silver, whatever, red status credit. Uh, But because I'm there with another person who has the highest rating, I had access to the Virgin Gold Class Lounge. And that's what it's like with Jesus. He grants us access to the very presence of God another reminded us of this truth last week that God is with us that God is near psalm 46 the lord of hosts is an he is ever present with us he is near now that's a comfort isn't it to know that god is near that no matter how dark or crazy the next season the next few weeks or few months gets for us that god is with you he has not abandoned you he will not abandon you the second blessing that is yours today if you love jesus is that you have access to the presence of god the third blessing is this that you can find help in a time of need this is what it says again verse 16 come back with me to that verse let us then with holy swagger draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive and find grace, sorry, we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, when we go to God, we get what we need. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, what I need, what I need right now is a job, is a clean bill of health, is some good news on my social media feed, Or perhaps a toilet roll and some human contact right that's that's what i need right now what good is grace and mercy to me in this time well what jesus offers us in a time of need perhaps is not as material as those things but it's no less real you see jesus offers us mercy for our mistakes and grace to continue on you see our current challenge that we find ourselves in is not the same as these first readers in Hebrews, but the truths that carried these guys through are no less relevant and real for us. So whatever we need, whatever challenge we face today or perhaps down the track in a few weeks time, whatever we need now or in six months, Jesus is there for us and He's there for us with grace. Grace to endure, grace to persevere, Grace to continue to cling to Jesus. Grace to continue to walk in God's direction. And grace to face all of the uncertainty that lies on our horizon. In a time like this, it's easy to think that God is far away. But what Jesus has done for us is the clearest demonstration possible that He's near. And that what you need is available. He's close. He's uniquely positioned advocating at the Father's right hand on your behalf. He knows what it's like. He's walked into your shoes. He's entered into your frame of reference, and He's sympathetic, and He's empathetic. He invites you to experience God's presence, to draw near, to enjoy Him, and He promises you that in your time of need, there is mercy and grace available to you. I don't know where you stand today, whether you would identify as a follower of Jesus or not. But wherever you are, maybe you're, you're not a believer. And in this time, perhaps you've considered praying. You're asking deep questions about, what happens to me? What happens when I die? We're confronted with the reality of our own mortality and that our lives simply are not as control, we're just not as in control of our lives as we think. If that's you, then I want to suggest to you that all of these promises and blessings are on offer for you if you would put your faith and trust in Jesus. If you want to begin a journey of exploring faith, we would love to take that journey with you simply Um, click reach out for prayer, or maybe even I'd like to uh, become a a Christian, you can click that box on our online church platform and one of our team will follow you up. They would love to pray for you. They would love to answer any questions you have. But maybe you're listening this morning and you are a believer. You, You say, yes, I'm a Christian. If that's you, then I want to encourage you to hold fast to your profession. In this season of difficulty, of trial, of anxiety, of uncertainty, cling firmly to Jesus. He's there, He's good, He's gracious, He's merciful, and He offers you everything that you need. Church, we love you. Thank you for gathering this morning. Let me pray for you and bless you guys as we wrap up our time together online. Father God, I thank you for your grace and mercy. I thank You that You, have, you Jesus, have stood in the gap. You've breached the gap between us and God. You've torn the curtain. You've closed the relational distance, and You've invited us to draw near. We thank You that we can enjoy Your presence. We thank You that we can pray, knowing that You listen, that You hear. And Father, I pray for every person who is listening this morning. That you would help them to cling firmly to Jesus, not to let go, but to hold fast to our profession. Got to pray blessing over our church family that you would protect our health, protect our jobs, protect our children, the vulnerable in our community. And God, we pray that we would be a countercultural community that will walk through this season with a deep sense of confidence and faith. And a countercultural love towards those who are around us. God, we pray that this the church in this moment would thrive and flourish. And so fill us with your spirit for this task. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus, and all of God's people said, "Amen, bless you guys, love you, and we'll see you back here next Sunday at church online.